I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined today by Colin Drew as we continue our series of live underdog best ball mania championship drafts. A couple things have changed in the ADP market over the last week. Uh, One of the interesting things uh, is that Damian Harris is one of the biggest risers, but Sony Michelle was activated off of the physically unable to perform list and uh, is out there at, at, at Patriots training camp this week. But we might not even have to concern ourselves with this because we drew the 101, Colin. Uh, the greatest draft slot this year. Just every time you get the 101, you're feeling great about it. It's just incredible. You just click in Christian McCaffrey, and you know that you really only have to find like one running back the rest of the draft. Obviously, you're banking on him hitting and delivering what he did last year, but uh, pending injury, it feels like that's a pretty safe bet. So it's a, it's a great spot. You love to see it. Uh, yeah, it is. It is absolutely. It's it's just the best. Uh, so and and the reason why is not just. Uh, because you get to just slam dunk Christian McCaffrey with that first overall pick. But those selections at the back end of the second round in the beginning of the third round, like that's actually kind of the premium zone for me because you don't get tempted to take Aaron Jones. You don't get tempted to take Nick Chubb. Sometimes you're able to get Austin Eckler there. Sometimes you're able to get George Kittle there. But even if all of those things uh, go awry, you're still locking in two wide receivers that you love there. You you know, you have no issues with their projection at all. Yeah, I was wondering what your general strategy was. Obviously, you don't get the 1-1 very often, but um, I think the two wide receiver thing can make sense if, if a running back doesn't fall. One of the other things I like to do is some, sometimes I'll just grab Lamar there and I'll punt on the second quarterback position, like punt on the second running back position and... Um, and then you just kind of load up at the wide receiver position with like eight or nine dudes. And uh, those lineups end up looking pretty fun too. Yeah. I mean, you just go with, I'm going to take the best guy at every single position strategy. So sometimes you can take Christian McCaffrey to start. Uh, You can get George Kittle there at the tail end of the second round and then Lamar Jackson. And and you're sitting there, uh, you know, you're sitting there with Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle. And you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to get beat this year. I have the best guy at every position. How could I ever lose? That always feels pretty nice. 
Yeah, and I, I think there have been some other kind of minor news items. We didn't really have to deal with those in the first round, but um, Dalvin Cook sliding down a little bit uh, just with some of Schefter's comments. Not a holdout concern, but just like slight caution, I guess, he said on, on Dalvin Cook. And then Kenyon Drake in a walking boot, he started to fall a little bit. Just um, always, you know, concerning to see that stuff given Drake's history. And so... I think those are some of the kind of top two round things that have kind of shook out a little bit that have changed things uh, in some of the drafts. Uh, I actually think the Drake one is pretty big news. I, I probably should have been on that a little bit, a little bit harder there to begin the show because Drake was actually a guy where I like the offense. You know, I like Kyler Murray. I like Cliff Kingsbury. Drake was a guy I felt fine taking in round two. And uh, got, got to say when my, my running back target is seen wearing a walking boot at the facility that inspires no confidence, even if they can, you know, they can say it's precautionary, they can say whatever they want, but uh, not really interested in investing in a running back who's already dinged up before the start of the year. Yeah, yeah, definitely a tough one. And um, I think with Cook, it's not really moving him out of the first round, but I've started to put him closer to like mix in Miles Sanders as far as my preference. And so it's just a few spots lower. Um, and so don't really end up getting him at the back half of the first round. Yeah, I think that I think that's about right. And it's what it's kind of going to do is I bet over the course of the next week or so, it's going to push Joe Mixon and Derrick Henry up pretty high because people are going to be sitting there looking at that running back market. Like, I actually would not surprise me if we get kind of another Schefter report or something. If Derrick Henry ends up going ahead of Dalvin Cook, that that actually seems to me like something that could happen. Yeah. So we're up in a few picks here, four picks away um, at the running back position. James Conner with the ADP of 25 kind of fits the mold if we do want to grab like two RBs early and then completely wait. Uh, but he sometimes goes. And then at the wide receiver position, plenty of good options. Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins, Kenny Galladay, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen uh, are pretty good players there. At tight end, though, both the premium tight ends have gone. And then Lamar Jackson is gone as well. So it would kind of be Mahomes or a wide receiver at this point, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think James Conner there is reasonable. I think DJ Moore there is reasonable. I think Amari Cooper there is reasonable. Probably two wide receivers and then look at Swift and Ronald Jones at the 4-5 turn would kind of be my instinct uh maybe probably probably need to adjust ronald jones up in the projections a little bit it's hard to give him too much of the target share but uh probably anything higher than you know 10 percent market share for Keyshawn yeah. Vaughn is high so i think we're looking at two wide receivers here chris godwin deandre hopkins juju smith schuster are the best available so i think i'll grab godwin and hopkins here yeah i mean for for a long time this offseason we were seeing hopkins go closer to the front end of the second round. I, I, it's just got to be kind of that general running back thirst that is pushing Hopkins down at this point. You know, I don't, I don't, there's no material reason to not be wanting to draft him. Yeah. I think the running back thirst for sure. Um, quarterbacks and tight ends both went early in this one, which pushed him down a little bit. And then I think the only thing that it's not even contentious, but Kenny Galladay did get drafted ahead of him, which doesn't happen in every draft, but I think kind of the pecking order at wide receiver is mostly the same as it has been. It's just a question of RBs kind of moving up forward. Yeah, and uh, so, you know, this is a perfect example of why picking at the 101 is so great. No consternation there. Picking at the 2-3 turn, like you like every pick uh, available to you there, you feel like you're getting good value. You know, we could have taken James Conner. Uh, maybe would have been overpaying a little bit, but we like James Conner. You know, we have him projected to do very well 
in 2020. So certainly, you know, no problems there. So starting off the draft, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins, can't can't really be mad about that. Have some stack options set out for us there if ADP falls correct. We are going to go ahead and head into our first break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. We will see you guys to make our picks in the fourth and fifth round and on in just a few minutes here in a few moments. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflategate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. You call him Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big copy. The Red Sox in 2004 bounced back after the 3-0 in a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, daily show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcast. You find it. 
This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined today by Colin Drew as we live draft another Best Ball Mania championship team on Underdog Fantasy, trying to bring home that $200,000 first prize. Started from the one slot, Christian McCaffrey, Chris Godwin, DeAndre Hopkins. I, I guess we we should kind of just talk about this larger historical trend with Hopkins, which is just that team or wide receivers that switch teams after the end of that rookie contract and then they go into that uh you know they go into that year five year six year seven generally speaking that first year they see a dip in production uh i i'm not particularly world as it as it pertains to hopkins specifically but that is like a, a larger trend worry yeah i think that is I mean, I think that's fair. I think the other concern is just it goes from an offense where he was spammed targets every single week to one that spread the ball around more than most other offenses last year. And so you kind of have those concerns as well. But even if you were to settle him into like a 24% of targets, I still think you're getting him at a pretty fair position at that point in the draft. And so um, I feel like for the most part, it's kind of priced in. And if he wasn't changing teams, like he definitely would be going towards that you know, Devonte Adams end of the draft board opposed to where we got him. Uh, yeah, I mean that, 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 like if he was still on Houston, you know, we had just seen though. I mean, it is worth noting that last year was the first year of Deandre Hopkins career where he was not hyper efficient while playing with Deshaun Watson. He was actually while playing with Deshaun Watson. He was more towards his Osweilerian efficiency. I don't, I think that's, you know, just weird stuff happens in football over 16 games and uh you know the Texans play calling is kind of a mess I actually think Hopkins has a ton of room to grow with you know uh, an actual good head coach and play caller yeah yeah the other usually good thing about the where we're drafting from is a lot of times these running backs fall off the board that you don't really want to think about drafting Leonard Fournette usually goes Le'Veon Bell goes Todd Gurley kind of goes before you're up again those guys have started to slip so I do think it's plausible that we'll have to consider whether or not we want to draft like a, a like back like Le'Veon Bell, who definitely has all the touch volume, but um, a lot of concerns just about like motivation and age and things like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. But those guys are still kind of on the board as we're picking right now. And you kind of have that, you know, contrasted with a talented young guy with a questionable workload like DeAndre Swift. Yeah, so uh, you know, for the for the four or five turn, uh, I, I'm kind of thinking something like Cortland Sutton and DeAndre Swift here. Uh, I think Ronald Jones for me firmly in play here. I, I know that uh, not a lot of other people are are as high on Ronald Jones, but uh, yeah, I, I think Sutton is kind of the guy that draws my attention most here at the four or five turn. Yeah, and there are definitely some good wide receivers uh, still available. Sutton being one of those, DJ Chark being one of those, Cooper Cup, Devontae Parker, DK Metcalf, um, all pretty talented guys that have upside in best ball as well. Yeah, uh, so, I mean, yeah, if you can get Metcalf or Lockett there, that is, you know, that's a pretty good deal because on Underdog specifically, you can get Russell Wilson there at the six seven turn as well, which uh, you know, getting one of the highest ceiling quarterbacks is pretty nice. Yeah, definitely, and I, I like that too because then from a stacking perspective, we're kind of flexible. Um, I know we if we get sniped on Kyler, we have Russ as an option or vice versa. So I think DK Metcalf 
makes a lot of sense there. And then it's really just a decision between whether or not we want to grab DeAndre Swift or whether or not we want another wide receiver with like DJ Chark or Cortland Sutton. You know, I just, uh, I, 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 we, we feel pretty good at wide receiver with this start. I think Swift makes uh, the most structural sense. And I, I am trying to draft as much Swift as I can right now. Yeah. And he's definitely a guy that I've been taking a fair bit of um, kind of, feels like he fits a little bit of the Miles Sanders mold from last season where should have a role to start the season, but maybe not the majority of it. Um, kind of could be a timeshare with Carrion Johnson, but uh, definitely a talented pass catcher and a guy that should see increasing roles and increasingly big weeks as stuff goes trends down towards back half of the season. Yeah, so I actually think that's a great comp to make where like maybe he's more of like a, a flex contributor for kind of the first six weeks of the season, but kind of gives time for carry on Johnson to get injured, to not perform. And if that stuff doesn't happen at all, like if, if carry on Johnson is, is kind of just super inefficient from game one, you know, I think we could see Swift being like a five target a game player right away and not having a threat to the goal line work. So I'm, I'm really in on Swift. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And even if it is a timeshare, I think it could be, you know, the type of thing where both, guys are able to have you know at least some value it's not like you're investing a top end draft pick with him uh the other we didn't have to face this decision but one thing that i think is pretty interesting if you are going with like a cmc lamar start or just for lamar teams in general mark ingram typically goes in the middle of the fifth round in these drafts and i was running some analysis for dfs actually and, and found that mark ingram actually had the strongest correlation with lamar jackson of any player except for mark andrews last year with baltimore ravens just because when they rolled, they were absolutely rolling people on the ground. And so I think that is probably a low-key, sneaky correlation that you're just betting on the entire offense. And I think when people talk about stacking, for the most part, naturally we're thinking quarterbacks, wide receivers. But um, Mark Ingram with Lamar, I think, is a pretty low-key good correlation. Uh, yeah, I mean, so I think that's a, a good point, specifically for best ball, maybe not so much for weekly manager leagues like you know it's a little bit different when you're playing in you know uh, one of these high stakes leagues where you have to make the decisions but you really kind of are just making bets on offenses like you're making bets that these off they're going to have weeks where they score you know six touchdowns seven touchdowns crazy stuff like that so i i like for example with deandre swift i i do not hate you know taking uh tj hawkinson later and matthew stafford yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and then you always feel better about it when the back catches passes too, which we expect DeAndre Swift would do. Yeah, I mean, that was actually like he was he was a good runner at Georgia, but kind of the role that he was cast in was actually as a pass catcher because, you know, he was there with Nick Chubb. He was there with Sony Michelle. He was there with a bunch of other uh, college running backs. And he was, you know, much better as a uh, pass catcher than anything else. Yeah. And as we're kind of prepping for the back half of the sixth round, I think ideally we're hoping to grab one of Kyler or Russell Wilson with that draft pick. They have ADPs on underdog of 71 and 75 respectively. So they're kind of falling right within range. It would have to be a weird draft for both of them to go kind of before we are picking. So um, that's, I think, one of the other thing that sets up nicely about like the CMC picks is some of these high upside quarterbacks that we do like end up kind of falling right in that range as well, where you feel like you're not having to reach on them. So those are two of the guys that I think we're hoping to fall and then possibly grabbing wide receiver, tight end, running back, kind of being flexible to the best player available after that. Yeah, so it seems like our plan would be Russell Wilson, favorite wide receiver if Kyler goes. 
if Kyler's there, we just go Kyler Kirk, right? We just we just get that double stack and, and nail it in. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely possible. A little bit of a reach on Kirk, but I think for the double stack, it definitely is worth it. So that's one of the interesting things is I feel like underdog ADP is super sharp, but Kirk goes in the seventh round, sixth round in like uh, like the NFC and the FFPC. Like he, he goes way early in the high stakes formats. Yeah. The other, you know, guy that is still on the board that we just talked about a little bit, I think I'd feel obligated to draft him if he stays. It's Mark Ingram, who usually goes around pick 52. So if he's there at like 74, I'd almost feel obligated. But um, chances are he'll go before we draft. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will. I will. Uh, I will co-sign. I will co-sign there on on Mark Ingram. I mean, I don't like Mark Ingram as like a structural pick, but seventh round, just zero issue with that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things is you have to have, like, uh, eventually you have to be willing to take guys you don't like um, if they fall far enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely I definitely agree with that. I mean, even even Leonard Fournette, right? I think I think fifth round, Leonard Fournette, I, you know, I, I would probably take Leonard Fournette there. Yeah, so we're, we're two picks away, and then we've got the next two, um, and I think we'll have the choice between Russ and Kyler, Christian Kirk still on the board as well, so... I think we probably just grab Kyler Christian Kirk for this team. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to go ahead and head into break here. We're going to leave you in a little bit of suspense on what we are about to do here at the six, seven turn drafting out of the one slot. Uh, we started with Christian McCaffrey. We drafted Chris Godwin and Deandre Hopkins at the two, three turn. Then we back that up with DK Metcalf and Deandre Swift at the four, five turn, you know, basically really just showing uh, this is uh, this is the cheat slot draft code where we are drafting here out of the 101 about to make our picks at the six seven turn here in a few minutes in the underdog best ball mania championship uh, drafting live Davis Maddock and Colin Drew will be back with our picks in just a moment. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. 
I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around, I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Pop. They ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0. In a winner chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here at the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. My name is Davis Maddock. I'm joined by Colin Drew as we are live drafting an underdog best ball mania championship team trying to win the $200,000 first prize picking out of the one slot. We are uh, just have we've just made our picks at the six seven turn. And uh, what direction did we go? Yeah, we got we got Kyler stacked up with Nuke, and then we reached a little bit to double stack with Christian Kirk. Uh, it's only it was only a reach on like nine spots ADP. Definitely something I'm comfortable doing, especially drafting at the turn. You kind of gotta try to get your guys if you want to. There was no way he was making us um, it back there. And between Russ and Kyler, I honestly don't have a preference. But the drop capital that we invested in Hopkins, I think it kind of made sense to grab Kyler there. Yeah. Uh, so. Having that double stack is really nice, you know, sets us up with uh, some some pretty some pretty good optionality, you know, later on, basically, where we, you know, we can take Andy Isabella late. Uh, we can take Dan Arnold late. You know, there, there are a lot of different there are a lot of different things we can do. We've got we've got some positive chatter on Dan Arnold. I also I also love taking uh, I, I love taking quarterbacks kind of in this it's not, it's not a dead range, but like if you kind of look at ADP from round seven to round ten, it feels like there's a lot of Marvin Jones, uh, Jordan Howard, right? Like there's just a lot of guys who go yeah. there because they're gonna have a role to start the year, but no one no one is making these picks and like fist bumping them. You know what I mean? Oh, totally. I mean, if you're able to trade draft picks in your season long league, like you're just trying to get out of the eighth and ninth rounds because. I feel fine about the guys drafting in like I'm in the tenth to twelfth. I feel like those guys are just as you know good, just as much upside as the guys I'm getting in like eight and nine. 
no, 100%. Yeah, like, so uh, I think a decision a lot of people have is, you know, maybe they're starting with kind of like a, a wide receiver heavy build and they're like, you know, I, I got to get some running backs. And you're sitting there and you're like, okay, I'm on, I'm on the clock in round nine. Uh, I see Carrion Johnson. I see Marlon Mack. And then I see guys like Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. And you're like, well, I just would rather take Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, who go like four rounds later. But you would like, I, I don't, it's just one of those things where I know people have to be making those decisions because they wouldn't be the average draft position if they weren't. But I just, I hate making those picks. So I, I'm really comfortable taking quarterbacks round seven, eight, and nine this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense. And I think the other nice thing about the CMC build is like, you know, you have one running back position, you're getting their score basically every single week. And that's not the true of the other top end backs, even if they're guys you can kind of count on. And so because of that, I feel like you can throw some more of the Hail Marys at the, the lotto tickets than you would if you needed to kind of be able to count on a score and like the flex on a week to week basis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and also like, even if guys like Mac and carry on and, and uh, you know, if those guys beat their ADP, it's not going to be like league winning scores. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to be up in a couple picks here. We've got some decisions to make. Um, Debo Samuel is one of the wide receivers. I think has kind of trended up on some recent news reports that it's a little bit more likely that he'll be ready for week one than initially anticipated. At the running back position is pretty ugly right now. We're talking Philip Lindsay, Latavius Murray, Matt Breda, Terry Cohen, Marlon Knack type running backs. And then at the wide receiver position, it's it's you know Debo Samuel, John Brown, Darius Slayton type players. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think that like Slayton and Brown are kind of like non non starters for me. You know, I I, I like to. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that running back is an option here. I think that getting uh, a tight end here is, is solid, though. It's, it's like, obviously, this is a little bit early for the Gesicki, Hawkinson, Fant sort of tier. Uh, in terms of backdoor stacks, what are what are we kind of thinking? Yeah, I mean, I think one option. So I'm going to grab Debo Samuel as one of the picks here. I think he would set up as a backdoor stack with Jimmy G. I think with drafting one quarterback early, we definitely want to be drafting our second one late. And so that's an option. And then, um, I don't know. I mean, the like running back we could go with like philip Lindsay and kind of hope that melvin gordon is dust that he can't acclimate to the altitude um you have a little bit of a floor built in there or you can go with like latavius murray matt Breida, uh, marlon mack uh i mean i do like latavius right latavius is one of the guys where we know uh like like latavius and pollard are the guys where you're like, oh, if the guy ahead of him gets injured, he's just a running back one every week. So I, I don't mind. I don't mind Latavius there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Pollard had went a couple picks before us. Um, agree with the general sentiment there. Yeah. So uh, do, we, we made the selections of, of Latavius and Debo Samuel. Yep. So I, I got to say, I, I just hate taking Debo. Like, I know it, it seems like it's trending up a little bit, but... Yeah, I mean, I just like guys who were injured in a freaking global pandemic. Like, I just, it, it's never a situation that I feel good about. Yeah, I think that's fair. I guess the counterpoint would be in this type of build, I think we can afford to take a lot of wide receivers because we have CMC. And so because instead of taking like seven wide receivers, we might be able to get away with eight or nine. I think that um, you can take a chance on a guy that has a lot of upside rather than having to count on like the the score like week one week two or whatever we'll definitely have week one and weeks two covered yeah 
so that is that is a great point. And I mean, Debo was a good rookie, right? And we don't see good rookie wide receivers all that often. We don't see rookie wide receivers earn play, uh, you know, earn significant playing time on, you know, Super Bowl contenders. So had he not suffered this injury, you know, he would be like a sixth, seventh round pick at this point. You know, I think that I, I think that like, for example, I think he'd be going kind of like in that Gallup Fuller range and you're getting a big discount on him. And assuming that he's able to come back to full health, you know, kind of over the last, let's say, 10 games of the season, you're going to have like a very solid wide receiver, too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think just where we were drafting, it, you just aren't going to feel incredible about I, we could have picked anybody. Right. And you wouldn't have felt like you're windmilling the pick. So it's the same thing with Latavius. I mean, you're taking a guy who might contribute like five fantasy points a week if Alvin Kamara doesn't go down. Yeah, I no, I I won I 100%. I 100% agree. So in terms of backdoor stacks here, seems like we are looking at Jimmy G, so maybe we take Ayuk at uh, at the next turn, though uh at the next turn what it should be our 10-11, right? Yeah. So we probably want to take one tight end there. Like we're probably looking at at Gesicki, Fant, Hawkinson, that that kind of well, maybe yeah. uh maybe Gronk. I know you and I both kind of like OJ Howard more than Gronk. Uh, I actually did one of these drafts earlier this morning where Tyler Higby lasted to that range, and I, I couldn't take him because I needed to close uh, a Detroit Lions stack, but Tyler Higby lasted all the way until the 10th round. I know I know that the, the math the math out there is like, that's a terrible idea, like just take Danny Amendola later or whatever, but uh, so if Higby lasted, I would take him. Yeah, yeah, I think the... Um, yeah, the, the stack options, it would be Jimmy G waiting a while for that one. Um, we do have Chris Godwin, so Tom Brady is still an option, potentially, if we wanted to go with, like, a, you know, late around 10 quarterback, if he's still on the board, and then you could get O.J. Howard super late for tight end. Um, and then we obviously need some running backs, and we need to start getting tight ends at this point. Uh, yeah, um, I, I am, I'm, uh, agree with, with kind of all of that thinking uh i i would i would be interested in the backdoor stack i would be very interested in the backdoor stack if brady and gronk were both there for us i think that just we we close that we you know we close both of our stacks and we have two double stacks and we can basically at that point we have no constraints on who we can pick for the rest of the draft we can just take the guys we like the best yeah yeah and it looks like both gronk and brady are going to go before we pick again um at the tight end position the guys that Kind of within this range, Jared Cook, TJ Hawkinson, uh, Hunter Henry is a guy that I think it's hard to get really excited about, but with Mike Williams' injury potentially being limited to start the season, could be some more targets available for Hunter Henry, and that would be another backdoor stack if we wanted to wait till like the total end with Tyrod Taylor, would give us a little bit of optionality. Um, and then at the running back position, it's kind of the same guys that were there before, Marlon Mack, Alexander Madison, would be pretty interesting, or we could grab Carry on Johnson and kind of get like 100% of the Detroit backfield. Uh, yeah, I mean, you you like that you like that double backfield move more than I do. I think yeah. the the teams where I would go double backfield would be like the Rams. I would do. Um, I think the Colts you could do with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. Uh, don't don't think that the Lions backfield is going to be one where I'm as interested in. Yeah, so um, we're up in the next pick here. Uh, did any of those tight ends kind of jump out to you between Hawkinson, Fant, Henry, Hooper, yeah. I guess? But. Uh, so Hawkinson I like. Uh, Fant gives us the, the backdoor 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I did, I don't have a real preference. I think they're both great picks there. Yeah. So, um, I think I'll grab Hawkinson, just feel a little bit better about him, uh, overall. And then with our second pick, we've got, uh, Marlon Mack on the, the board still, he's kind of fallen pretty late in this draft. I know Jonathan Taylor will eventually eat into his workload, but he could contribute early where if Swift contributes late, he'd be an option. And then there's some wide receivers as well. Nikhil Harry, Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, I mean, Harry, uh, like I, the guy, the guy I would, pro- I would probably take like Boston Scott or something here if he was there, or I would just take Chenault because I, I don't like Manny Sanders at all. Like, those- yeah, we, we ended up, uh, we stalled out a little bit. I don't think it ended up the worst thing in the world, but we did get hit with the old auto draft from Marlon our- Mack. No, the tight end. So we got, um, we went two tight ends there. We got Hawkinson and Hunter Henry as our two tight ends. I mean, yeah, I mean, that, so that, that kind of just takes care of that position for us. We hope that we get Jimmy G on the next turn. If we don't get Jimmy G, we can literally take Tyrod with, like, our 18th pick. We might have to take three quarterbacks in this draft to protect against that. Got that Kyler, happens. baby. You, you have no faith in Kyler? Uh, Yeah, I mean, no, that's a good point. Really, we should only, theoretically, we should only need, you know, one... Tw- Let's hope. Let's hope that uh, we get a twenty-two point uh, Tyrod game in that scenario. That when Kyler has his bye week, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's fine. Um, but you know, hopefully we'll be able to to take Jimmy. I don't mind three QBs. I just don't. I don't think it's necessary if you're paying for a, a high end guy. You're kind of assuming that they're going to finish as a top five QB, which you know Kyler definitely has that in him. Yeah. Um, so we are going to go ahead and head into break here on the Daily Roto Hour. When we get back, we are going to continue uh, finishing up this underdog draft. We got hit with the uh, we got hit with the auto draft there, but that's why you always have guys loaded in your queue. You know, you got to have those nimble fingers, those nimble fingers ready. But we are going to go ahead and head into break here real quick on the Daily Road Hour. See you guys in just a few moments on the other side. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. 
I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with Big Poppy. They ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0. In a winner chicken dinner, homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because, as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it. is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back here to the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Colin Drew. We are live drafting a Best Ball Mania championship team on the Underdog Fantasy app, and uh, we just closed our tight end position by drafting TJ Hawkinson and Hunter Henry. And, uh, you know, in my experience, we are really in the range of the draft now. We are just uh, we're we're doing our rosary beads and hoping that all of our quarterbacks don't go because this is kind of the range where people just start to pick off the quarterbacks you want. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And you hate to have twenty minutes between picks and just not be prepared to get hit with the auto draft. So tough, a little bit of a tough scene. You only pull so many CMC teams in a year, and uh, I don't think we ruined it. We had the queue there, and I think both the guys that we got can contribute at the tight end position. Uh, but but you do hate to see that. Uh, you know, actually, and uh, this is gonna be this is gonna sound like a very trite point, but you know, I I tend to be so player focused. You know what I mean? Like I have guys that I really like, and it's very hard for me in the heat of a draft, thirty seconds on the clock, to like you know kind of think like a poker player where you want to be making some randomized decisions because you know that your player evaluation skills are not perfect. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I like I can think, oh, LaVisca Chenault is the slam dunk. I'm just going to take him every single time here in the 13th round. But like there's obviously not a 100% chance that LaVisca Chenault succeeds, right? And so in a weird way, every once in a while having an auto draft to like get you in a, a different like node of decision making, 
I like I like actually kind of like it because it makes me think about drafts a little bit differently and it gives me some different player exposures than I would normally have. Yeah, and if you've listened to the show before, I'm sure you guys heard about our tough scene last year when we were choosing between Kenny Stills and Devontae Parker, and we had like Stills like 2% ahead in market share of targets, so we just ended up with like Kenny Stills in every single best ball league that we did last year, and then he gets traded, Devontae Parker has the absolute smash season, and I think that's a perfect thing where you get overconfident. We had those guys within like a a very small margin as far as projections, but you just keep taking the guy that falls. And so um, I do think that you have to kind of consciously get away from your biases sometimes too, but hopefully in four picks when we're up at the turn here, Jimmy G is still on the board. We can stack him up with Debo Samuel. Um, And then uh, I guess we probably need to continue to build out at the running back and wide receiver positions. Uh, not great running back options, I would say this late. Keyshawn Bond's fallen down a little bit just because he doesn't have great reports out of camp. Adrian Peterson is still on the board. Naheem Bryce Love. Hines and Bryce Love. Yeah, Bryce Love for me. Uh, just seems like seems like Adrian Peterson is because you know because we started with CMC, so we're not really sweating like you know, and we have DeAndre Swift as well. So you know, if we're getting like if we need Adrian Peterson scores, it means something terrible has happened. What we really want is we want a guy who can emerge, you know, week 10, 11, 12, 13, who is not going to be a part of, you know, like you're not going to be on a ton of these teams, uh, not going to be on like a, a lot of zero RB builds. And I, I think Bryce Love is that guy. He's the guy who I think could really explode. Yeah. So we're going to take Jimmy Garoppolo with one of these picks. And then I think the other thing is just, do you wait on Bryce Love, whose ADP is 180 right now? Probably can get him later. Um, maybe not, though. Or do you take someone like Nikhil Harry and continue to build out depth at the wide receiver position? Uh, I mean, yeah, I like Nikhil Harry. Uh, I probably like Chenault more, but I think they're both. I think they're both really good picks there. Um, yeah. Start finally starting to get some good practice reports on Nikhil Harry. It's taken a long time, but we're finally there. Yeah. So I'll, I'll grab Chanel because I feel like the default projections uh, that we use from sportsgrid.com have Harry a little bit ahead. But um, part of that is, you know, they're, they're pretty close. They're, I think, like two or three wide receiver spots apart. And so I've just been, like, taking Harry as I go through these pretty quickly. Uh, so I get a little bit more diversity there. And Chanel, I think the range of outcomes is pretty wide. Um, obviously, a, probably a less talented offense, but a very talented player, and he could get a lot of usage around the goal line that we don't necessarily see coming. He could fit the Debo Samuel mold from last season. Yeah, man, I don't I don't know about less talented offense. We're, we're the, the Patriots are running out a pretty ragged unit, and uh, if, if Cam Newton gets hurt, well, there's going to be some ugly football being played in Foxborough this year. I'll, I'll book the uh, New England Patriots total points scored oh, greater than the Jacksonville Jaguars no, they, in a heartbeat. They suck. <laughs> I, in, in a weird way, I think the Jaguars' skill position players are pretty much universally better than the Patriots' skill position players. But, yeah, I mean, I would expect the Patriots to score, like, four more points a game than the Jaguars just because they are the Jaguars, and what can yeah. you do? Yeah, yes, I mean, system and field position, right? You know you're going to get strong system and good field position out of the Patriots' defense. Uh, yeah, and I, I, you know, I do really think that... Uh, if Cam Newton is healthy, this is going to be like a real FU season from the Patriots, I think, you know, so they have all these defensive players that have opted out. So kind of that, that ground and pound, like win 17, 14 style is not going to be as easy for them. Obviously, you know, Brady left for, for warmer pastures and 
you know, uh, there there certainly was some conversation about tanking with the Patriots, but like, dude, Bill, Bill Belichick is not going to be like, okay, Brady left, I'm going to win four games and retool. Like, that's not happening. Yeah, yeah, I don't really see that as an outcome either. Um, I, I mean, I think we all expect a pretty big step back regardless, and they were kind of already trending in the wrong direction, so not expecting a world-beating team, but I don't see the tank as something that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it would just be, it would be, for me, it would be very fun to see, like, a, a Cam Newton MVP quality season, even if it does happen for the evil empire. You know, I just, I just want to see Cam Newton show it to the haters and score, like, 15 rushing touchdowns. That actually would be <laughs> the be funniest something. outcome, where, 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 like, Sony Michelle gets, like, 214 carries and, like, literally doesn't score because Cam Newton just takes all of the goal line carries. Like, that would be hilarious. It would be pretty wild, too. And, I mean, you could definitely see a scenario. I mean, the Patriots, if they have depth anywhere, it's at the running position. Throw Cam into that mix. Sonny Michelle, Damian Harris, James White, uh, Rex Burkhead. So, I mean, you can see all those guys kind of eat away at each other's upside, at least as far as the offense. They uh, they have this undrafted free agent running back who has apparently been the star of camp, too. J.J. Taylor sounds like a, sounds like a big-time Belichick guy. It's going to be hilarious when that kid gets the first carry of the season for them like that's going to be it's just going to be classic Patriots. oh yeah oh yeah i was reading camp reports of him catching like you know 30 yard going routes and right. stuff like that it's just like the patriots you know they gotta they gotta keep it interesting though through uh through like a, a week of practice rex burkhead leading receiver at patriots training camp <laughs> yeah i mean i think the wide receivers i feel like they'll end up being okay, Edelman will be fine, Sanu will be fine. Like, they've got guys, they've got bodies, but definitely not anything exciting. Uh, yeah, I mean, Gunnar, Gunnar Olazweski has apparently been the uh, the best wide receiver at Patriots training camp per the, the beat writers, so that uh, that doesn't seem great. So at this point in the draft, we've got two quarterbacks, two tight ends, so those positions are pretty much crossed off um, for us until the last round, just depending what's available there. We've got six wide receivers. We'll probably go with at least two, one, probably two more wide receivers. But we do need to build out a little bit of running back depth. Only got three on the roster right now. CMC, DeAndre Swift um, being the starting running backs. And then we have um, added a little bit of depth. But I, I think with Latavius Murray, as far as upside. But I think we're hoping Bryce Love at this turn. Other running backs that are available there. Naheem Hines for, like, the PPR floor from Phillip Rivers. Justin Jackson as an interesting guy in that LA offense. And so um, other than love, is there a running back kind of sleeper that falls this late that you're into? Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., Benny Snell, uh, Daryl Williams is I think the sneakiest one because it seems like it is Daryl Williams and not DeAndre Washington, who is actually the second in line running back for the Kansas City Chiefs and has actually been kind of splitting even time with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the first team. Yeah, what about uh, Justin Jackson and Joshua Kelly? Uh, yeah, I like I like Josh Kelly a lot. I think that Josh Kelly is should be considered kind of the favorite at this point to inherit that Melvin Gordon like first and second down role. You know, we're we're still going to see a ton of Austin Eckler, but yeah, I do really like Josh Kelly. Cool. So we're gonna throw a little home run pick here on Bryce Love, taking him pretty early, but you got to do that at the turn, and then um, I think we have the option between Naheem Hines. Josh Kelly, or continuing to build out the wide receiver position with James Washington? Uh, yeah, I think Hines probably. Like, Hines is just, he's so safe for, you know, se seven points per game or whatever, and, like, is going to have a couple weeks where 
uh, you know, he, he should return some kicks and punts. Maybe that helps. Maybe he gets, you know, 70 yard touchdown or whatever. And, you know, there is, there is like always that, that threat that Philip Rivers is just going to go full captain check down. He, he's made, he has made a lot of, uh, you know, small running backs money, right? Darren Sproles, uh, uh, who was the guy? the the guy before Rex Danny Woodhead Danny Woodhead yeah yeah Yeah. he made he made Danny Woodhead some money right so uh we we certainly have seen Rivers check it down before like I I think Hines Hines is a guy I probably should move up in our projections a little bit I think yeah I mean I think they're they're probably fair like you know he's like catching 50 balls 60 balls as like a median seems like it's probably fine um I don't know enough about whether or not there's like a chance that Taylor would eat into that passing role at all, or if that's he's more directly competing with Marlon Mack. But uh, I think for just some production there, we already have some kind of lotto tickets with Bryce Love, Latavius Murray. So I think a little bit of production there with the fifth running back slot is good. Yeah. Uh, so one of the positive things about setting up the Jimmy Garoppolo stack is his ostensible second and third options are basically free in drafts right now with Trent Taylor and Kendrick Bourne. Taylor is probably more of the replacement for Debo while Debo misses time. But with Brandon Ayuk also uh, missing practice time with a hamstring and maybe not going to be ready for week one, it seems like Kendrick Bourne might just project right now for kind of like a 16-week starter. Yeah. Um, I feel like from grinding the the showdown streets last year that he was typically getting time in the slot. Um, and I, I guess one of the questions or one of the, I guess, like upside plays would be a guy that was going in like the fifth or sixth rounds last year that may not have a role at all again, was, didn't have a role in the Super Bowl, but uh, definitely had like the talent and has gotten some better Don't reviews for camp. So like, no. do you draft Dante Pettis at all with the last pick of your draft? No, I literally, I think I have Pettis projected for like 4% of the 49ers offense or something. And that's with, you know, moving her to zero, uh, moving Samuel down, moving Ayuk down. Like I, I think, it's just I don't know. It just seems like he can't play. I guess. Yeah. Maybe yeah. he can. I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, I think Bourne would like these guys are all going to go undrafted for the most part. So adding Bourne is like one of the the tack on guys at the tail end, hoping to add Andy Isabella as a tack on guy at the tail end. I think make a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that uh, the 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 good end to this draft is probably Andy Isabella and Kendrick Bourne. If uh. If Andy Isabella booms this year, we are gonna have we're gonna have a good time. It, it's it's nice to take Andy Isabella with like a little bit of confidence compared to when we were taking Trey Quinn with uh, that same amount of confidence last year because you know Trey Quinn had li- like literally zero upside and uh, he fulfilled his zero upside role for sure. <laughs> I think he got hurt, so you got you know you can always blame it on that. But, well, uh, the thing is, when a when a player, the only argument you can make for them is playing time. They're very susceptible to getting outplayed by guys like Steven Sims Jr., uh, Darvin Kidsey, Hale Hendages. Like these are all guys who are earning playing time over Trey Quinn because uh, Trey Quinn not very good. Yeah, yeah. I think my preference at the tail end of sixteen, beginning of seventeen, would be to grab whoever's left between Justin Jackson, and Josh Kelly. That would give us a six um, running back, and then just go wide receivers from there on out we could also pass and just start building out wide receiver depth now and kind of only resting with five running backs uh, i feel like if it, if jackson and kelly both go i don't feel the need to take a running back but if one of them's there i feel like those are guys that could potentially contribute to uh like the flex or to this team overall yeah 
So we're going to go ahead and head into our final break here on the Daily Roto Hour. When we come back, we will have our fully completed team kind of talk about roster construction out of the 101, uh, see if we made any mistakes, see if we would have done anything differently, and uh, you know just kind of wrap up this Underdog Best Ball Mania Championship Draft. See you guys in just a few moments. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali back in 1988, and to my great surprise, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on family, spirituality, and on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story and also stories of others touched by the champ, including people such as Reverend Al Sharpton and James Buster Douglas. We'll even hear from Muhammad's daughter, Rashida. Well, my dad was, he was Peter Pan. Like, he never really grew up. He was very mature when it came down to social issues. He was very in tune. He felt a responsibility to be able to share his connection to millions of people who were in need. In each of these stories, we share lessons. Lessons that have meant a great deal to me and that I hope will be meaningful to you. Listen to The Dow of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games with Names, and we're on a search to find the greatest games of all time. I'm talking Hall of Famers, MVPs, gold medalists. I absolutely hate the Colts, bro. This game, I swear, led to the deflate gate. Hey, guys, this ball's a little flat. <laughs> Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Julian walking around. I'm pretty sure he had his shirt off for reasons I'm not sure. He was saying, gotta believe. Oh, you gotta believe. From 18-1 with Eli. Are you calling Bill just a cheater? Is that what you're I'm saying right saying now? He's, he's looking for an advantage. The 2004 ALCS with big pop. They ran socks in 2004, bounced back after the 3-0. We never win a chicken dinner. Homie. The immaculate reception with Terry Bradshaw. Fired the ball. I hear the roar of the crowd. I never thought he caught the ball, but he did. We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last season on the Choosing Sides F1 podcast, we established unequivocally that F1 is the pinnacle of motorsports. Lily Herman, my co-host in season one, helped me choose a team, a driver, and then... Well, we sent you on your jolly way. Yeah. I'm Tony Cameron Brown, a tech, culture, and F1 commentator. I'm Michael Costa, comedian, Daily Show correspondent. And we're back with season two because as it turns out, F1's newest fan is still a little... Dazed and confused. Join us for season two of Choosing Sides F1 as we dive deeper into the rabbit hole of the pinnacle of motorsports. Who makes money here? What's CFD? How do you manage a tire? You, get back in there. What are the rumors? What's the gossip? But you also know that someone's listening to your radio. Uh, I'm going to pull up a picture of a tea cozy. I, I want to see what this thing looks like. Are you going to be doing that accent this whole pod? Listen to season two of Choosing Sides F1 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you get your podcasts. You find it.
This is Sports Grid. Get on the grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. My name is Davis Manick. I'm joined by Colin Drew. We just wrapped up our underdog best ball mania championship team. You can see the team there on the screen. Uh, so drafting out of the 101, pretty great. We got the Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel stack. Did get sniped on Kendrick Bourne there at the end. Finished the draft with uh, Andy Isabella and Miles Boykin, two of our favorite guys. And we also uh, we also landed the three, the, the triple stack with Kyler. We got DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, and Andy Isabella. So we are we are Air Raid fans for sure. Yeah, I felt pretty good about that. Um, I, I think a couple of the mistakes we made in this draft potentially. So we we had CMC to start. I think usually when you go CMC, you don't necessarily have to take six running backs. So um, we we kind of may have wasted a pick with Justin Jackson, um, but you know first a wide receiver which might have like more upside, more of a counting score. But who knows? Um, and then I think at the tight end position we obviously got stuck with the auto draft, but I don't think it worked out too badly. We got T.J. Hawkinson. Hunter Henry, both of those guys are going kind of right in line with ADP, and we needed tight ends at that point of the draft. So um, I think especially with the quarterbacks, like obviously Kittle, we had missed on, so you weren't going to get him with Jimmy G. And then uh, we could have waited for Dan Arnold in the last round, but I don't think I'm prepared to draft Dan Arnold quite yet. You're not, you're not buying, you're not buying the drum beat, and that's sad. You know, we're all, we're all hearing the drum beat on Dan Arnold, except for Colin Drew. You'll hear it soon enough. It, it, you know, Dan Arnold comes for everyone. Uh, the University of Wisconsin, Platteville's finest, Dan Arnold. Yeah, and I mean, we're definitely fortunate to draft with the first overall pick. I feel like just getting CMC, it's a clear, clear tier to himself. And so um, the other thing is just you feel really good kind of about the first five rounds of the draft. And so I felt like there wasn't a whole lot I would take back and do differently from the first five rounds. And then the mid-tier is a little bit more of a gamble. Obviously, the guys in like rounds... 8 through 11, you're not really feeling great about regardless. Um, but I thought we did pretty well. A lot of upside in this team. A couple flyers at the running back position. Hopefully connect on one of those. And you basically have the running back position covered. Right. And, uh, you know, just any time that you can draft Christian McCaffrey, you certainly feel better than, you know, the 8.3% chance of winning your 12-man league. You're, you're feeling, you know, much, much better about that. So you're just hoping to, uh, you know, avoid the injuries, get some good stacks in there. Uh, throw it in the best ball mania and uh, and hope for us. So we are going to keep crushing these drafts. I think next week on the show, we are hoping to uh, have some DFS strategy talk for the 2020 season. Of course, uh, some showdown strategy with uh, Mr. Colin Drew, the master of showdown himself. Uh, so everyone, thank you very much for listening and watching to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV today. We will be back next week. Thanks for watching. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. I'm Davis Miller, host of the new podcast, The Dow of Muhammad Ali. I met Ali in 1988, and surprisingly, we became friends. His influence profoundly changed my perspective on the purpose of life itself. I'll tell you that story, and also stories of others touched by the champ. Listen to The Dial of Muhammad Ali on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Julian Edelman from Games With Names, and we're on a search. 
to find the greatest games of all time with the players and coaches who lived in them. Ever wonder what a locker room feels like at a halftime of a Super Bowl? Or what about the, the after parties? We're going to dive deep into the most iconic games with the most iconic people. New episodes dropping weekly. Listen to Games with Names on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.